<laughs> There's a story here. There is. Wait, elevator music. Okay, okay, so now we're done telling drunk slam stories. It was I, a good story, though. I think she would appreciate that not being on the podcast. She would, but it was a good story. But I'll it is a good story. You. Good, good story. Maybe and for the Patreon. <laughs> Give us money, we'll tell you. <laughs> we go from a good story that y'all didn't get to hear, but I promise it was good, to bad stories. Yeah. Um, I don't even know. Like, this is a legit... Surprise, surprise for me on yours. This is like a double surprise. Which is better than a surprise tag team. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, surprise tag team is probably not. Yeah. Not for everybody. (laughs) I don't think it's for anybody. Girl, there is somebody out there that's all about it. Uh, Okay. Okay, anyway. So, business. Um... We're I s- hope by now, by the time you hear this, we have 200 likes. Yes, because we're like recording this people. in the past, in the future. In the, in the past? <laughs> what am I trying to say? You know what I'm trying You're, to say. Well, they'll be, it's recorded They're in listening the to this in the future. Yeah. Like a week. Future time. So we don't, we don't know because we're in the past how many likes we've gotten in a week. Seven. I'm Hopefully. Predict the future. <laughs> Hopefully Maybe we've gotten ten. seven. Ten. Ooh, 10 would be great because that would be 201. Yeah. No, it would not no, be 201. No, it would be 203. We're uh, fine, I swear. And we're stone cold sober. Yeah. Like, I maybe. had a margarita at dinner, but that was like five hours ago now. Maybe that's what's wrong. <laughs> because we're, yeah, we record better when we're drunk. Maybe. Oh okay. shit! All right, so last episode, if you tuned tuned in, Ooh, that was a ride. Uh, what a <laughs> like shit show! All, all round ride. Oh wow, that it was, was like a, a fucking never ending merry go round. <laughs> it was a journey, and um, if you took that journey with us, thank, thank you. you, thank you for coming back. Yes, and if you didn't come back, you won't hear this. But I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, we're sorry. Um, but we picked the same paranormal story because. And then we- I was just kind of, I was going to kind of like explain our process to them. So when we record, we record like every other Friday. We ideally. We, ideally, we try. And we prepare for two episodes. So they're both recorded the same night. And we record two episodes the same night. So like we each do a paranormal and a true crime. Yes. And then we just, you know, if she does One a true episode, crime, like I do a paranormal. Out. You get it. So, you know, we just recorded last week's episode like five minutes ago. Yeah. So when she goes to do her paranormal, she's like, I picked Winchester Mystery House. I'm like, oh, shit, I did, too, for well, next at first week. when you said that, I thought, I was like, damn, she's really excited that I picked this. Oh, I was. <laughs> I really love it. Well, and I, that's what I thought it was the initial <laughs> reaction of, was just like, wow, yes, I love this. Not, wow, yes, I picked this, too. <laughs> <laughs> it, but it, it actually, it saved it. I, I feel like it saved it because I was ill-prepared. I think, I think we got it covered pretty well. Because I'm on vacation and I've been trying to entertain a nine-year-old <laughs> and not be in the house. So, I, I procrastinated a little bit on my research. Yeah, I, I did that too. I started a new job last week and, um, yeah, so I get I get the procrastination. We trying. But, but, um, yeah, so it was kind of, kind of a shit show episode, but we're a fun shit show. We are a fun shit I show. I really think we are. I think we are too. I enjoy us. And other people seem to enjoy us too, so. Mm-hmm. We might not be for everybody, but I hope we're for most. But if we are for you, 
You yeah. should sign up for our Patreon. Yes. How about that segue? It was a good segue. Okay. Yes. Uh, but we show have... us how much you like show us. Show us how much you like us. <laughs> uh, we have a Patreon now. Um, we should have been advertising it more in the last week because that's what my plan is this week to do. Yeah. Um, is to get that out there. Um, the website for our Patreon is on our Facebook page. She's um, so good at this tech shit. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying, y'all. Guess how much I've helped with that. Not very much. Listen, everything I post, you share. I do. Which is I important. Do. So I always make sure I do. Um, but yeah, we have a Patreon. Uh, we plan on doing uh, more things with it. But right now, when you sign up, you'll get an exclusive sticker. sticker. And they're all badass. They're so. really badass. They're designed by Megan. I feel like yes. we haven't said that in a while. Thank you, Megan. Um, and we love them. Megan. We look forward to like more awesome shit in the future. Yes, for sure. Um, but we have two designs that should now be, well, hopefully I have them. I hope so. Uh, they're lost somewhere in the mail, but we'll have those up for sale, if not now, shortly. Yeah. Um, but there is an exclusive Patreon sticker that you will get for signing up. I think it's just like, I think it's a $3 tier, which is relatively on the low end for Patreons. Yeah. Because I, I'm a member of a few Patreons for other podcasts that are a little higher. Um, so I feel like that was a good starting good, good point for start. us. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe as we increase, um, our viewers, viewers, listeners, <laughs> um, we'll, uh, add some more tiers and whatnot. Um, but right now everybody gets the same shit when you sign up, um, or have some exclusive content. I really would like for us to start recording us on a video as we record and maybe release the video to the Patreon. Oh, that would be cool. So that they can like see all of our shenanigans. <laughs> That'd be a good time. Yeah. I think that would be fun for people. Kind of like a behind the scenes thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, there's going to be some more exclusive content coming for our Patreons. Um, and you get a shout out on the show yeah. when you sign up. Uh, so that would be cool. That would be super cool. But uh, that link is on our Facebook page, and it's pinned to the top, so it's really easy to find. Um, so you should do that yeah. if you like us. Yes, um, also, if you that. like us and you don't have $3 to give us, you should go at least give us a five-star review yeah, on wherever. Yeah, that's free to do. Um, maybe a little blurb about how awesome and relatable we are, and that would be that helps us out a lot. It does. We I think the only it. place you can't do that is Spotify, but pretty much every other podcast platform you I can. think you can. Yeah. Uh, so make sure you're, you're doing that. Yeah. And, and hit the subscribe or follow, follow or whatever button you have. That'd be mad cool. Super mad cool. Thank you all for yeah, being thank you. mad cool. Yeah, and thank you for your support. Uh, say that right off the bat. We're not using my We're phone. We're not using That's why phone. I was like, we are not recording. <laughs> we but are. we are recording. So hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So last episode, I guess you went first. Yes. Which means... This one I am going first. Yes. This is a little bit more put together. Fuck so. me up with some true crime. Woo. Okay, my true crime case I chose was Lacey Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> and she's not saying that because she picked the same thing. <laughs> I did not. No. Okay. So, Lacey Denise Rocha was born May 4th, 1975 to parents Sharon and Dennis Rocha, who owned a dairy farm in Escalon, California, and um, had met in high school. Lacey was named, actually, after a pretty girl her mom, Sharon, had met in high school. Her older brother, Brent, had, was born in 1971. Um, Lacey and her brother worked on the farm from a young age, and she, they, all, like, they both enjoyed it a lot. And she also enjoyed gardening with her mother. 
So she was named after a pretty girl her, her mom went to high school mm-hmm. with. I mean, like, not to be that guy, but, you know, her mom a little. <laughs> <laughs> you really seem to like that name. <laughs> but why? Okay, sorry. Oh, you're Please fine. continue with um, Because that's wholesome, and I am not, so. Um, oh, she enjoyed gardening with her mother, um, which helped her later in life to develop a different type of appreciation uh, for plant life. Aw. Her, chil- uh, her parents divorced when her and her brother were still pretty young. Um, Sharon and the children moved uh, to Modesto, California, but the children still visited their fa- the farm. I almost said their farm. <laughs> their f- Oh, no, wait, I actually said their farmer. <laughs> 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 their father and the farm the father on weekends the dad um sharon would eventually go on to remarry um she remarried a man named ron gransky who i think they met like early on into her like being single because the kids were still relatively young mm-hmm. so he helped essentially he helped raise them um later on in life Lacey was a cheerleader in junior high and in high school um, she was really, really pretty. She was. Very, very, very pretty. She was. And, um, I'm assuming, I mean, cheerleader, you, you're bubbly, outgoing. Oh, I'm yeah, sure people sure. loved her. She sounded like she was super smart, too. Um, after graduating from Thomas Downey High School, she attended California Polytechnic State University. Cal Poly. Mm-hmm. Where, um, um, um. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about, but I can't. Kristen. Cri- Kristen yes. Smart. Yes. Which I really need to look up to see if there's any updates on her. That would be cool. Yeah. We need to I'll do that, that now. Um, where she majored in ornamental horticulture, which that just sounds that really smart. Also sounds adorable. I know. Um, while Lacey was in college, she would visit a friend who worked in Morro Bay um, at a restaurant called the Pacific Cafe. Um, this is where, in 1994, she would meet her friend's co-worker, Scott Peterson. Lacey actually made the first move. Um, once meeting Scott, sending her, sending him her phone number. Um, and immediately after meeting him, she told her mom that she had met the man she was going to marry. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting, right? Yes. Um, on their first date, they actually went deep sea fishing where Lacey got like severely seasick. So, hey, we had a first date story at the beginning of this. (laughs) That ended not so well either. Oh. Um, as their relationship progressed and became more serious, Scott put aside his dreams of being a professional golfer um, in order to focus on a more business-driven like path for him and his wife. Well, not wife, but soon-to-be wife. Mm-hmm. Um, the two dated for two years before moving in together. While Scott was finishing his senior year, Lacey took a job nearby in Prunedale. Um, prosecutors have stated around that time that Scott uh, began engaging in his first of at least two affairs. Um, though no names or details were ever released about the first relationship he had outside of, you know, Lacey. Um, after graduating with a Bachelor of Science degree in agricultural business, uh, they got married at Sycamore Mineral Springs Resort in St. Louis Obispo County's Avila Valley. That was the longest name. When I wrote that, I'm like, am I reading this right? Because it sounded like it took forever to say that. Um, on August 9th, 1997. Um, the co- couple went on to open a sports bar in St. Louis Obispo called The Shack. Um, business started out really slow for them, but it eventually picked up, and especially on the weekends. I think they maintained, like, a pretty decent crowd. Um, so they, they ran that until they uh, decided to sell it in 2000 when they moved back to Lacey's hometown of Modesto, California to start a family. In October of 2000, they bought a three-bedroom house in an upscale neighborhood. 
Lacey took a job as a substitute teacher, and Scott got a job with Trade Corps USA. Um, her friends say that Lacey worked really hard at being the perfect housewife and that she really enjoyed cooking and, like, entertaining. She loved having friends over and having parties. Um, so the family was super ecstatic when, in 2002, Lacey found out that she was pregnant. Um, her due date was February 10th, 2003. And as she got further along in her pregnancy and they realized they were having a boy, they planned to name him Connor. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where... It, most of it fell apart. Um, because in November of 2002, mind you, Lacey is seven months pregnant at the time, mm-hmm. um, Scott is introduced to single mother Amber Fry, a massage therapist in Fresno, and the two began a romantic relationship. Um, Amber later said that Scott told her he was single. He like never mentioned having a wife or any children or anything. Um, a week before Christmas of 2002, they spent a three-day weekend with Scott's family, um, and that would be the last time they would see Lacey. Um, then on December 23rd, at 5.45 p.m., Scott and Lacey went to Lacey's half-sister Amy's workplace, where Amy cut Scott's hair, and she, like, that was something she did every month. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott offered to pick up a fruit basket that Amy had purchased as a gift for her grandfather for Christmas the next day because he said he would be playing golf at a course nearby. Um, he also told people that he would be going golfing on Christmas Eve day as well. But I'm like, why are you so, like, wanting to kind of, like, create an alibi, alibi for yeah. yourself already? Like, right. I'll go get this like known I'll go get this gift for you that you need picked up like so someone knows I'm here and then mm-hmm. someone knows I'm there like it seems weird yeah um Lacey's mother Sharon spoke to her that evening around 8 30 p.m so apart from Scott Sharon and Amy uh that they were like the last people to speak to Lacey before she disappeared um, on the morning of December 24th, Scott says they got up ate breakfast together and watched a cooking show and I can't remember what cooking show but i watched it's been a while and i didn't have time to rewatch it but there's like a seven-part documentary on one of the streaming services Mm -hmm. and um it said that i don't know if it was like martha stewart or something along those lines and it was a specific thing that she was cooking that day yes and he remembered that Mm -hmm. detail and said it to them and they like backlogged and checked and that like never was on tv that day Mm -hmm. so yeah it's crazy um, he said he spoke with Lacey around 9.30 when he left to go to his warehouse. Um, he said he was going to send a few emails and retrieve his boat, and he was going fishing 90 minutes from their home um, at the Berkeley Marina. And he had actually only purchased the boat 15 days before she disappeared. That's suspicious. And I, I read later, because there there's people that think that he, because clearly we know what happened, yes. that he's innocent. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's so many people that think that he's innocent. And people were like, it wasn't unlike him because he'd had boats previously. So, and I mean, I will say there are parts of this that I feel like they're reaching on. Oh, yes. I do, too. And I'm not saying that I feel like he's guilty or innocent one way or another. I'm leaning more towards he did it. Mm -hmm. But I will say that they don't really have enough evidence to prove for 100% certainty that he did. Right. So that's where I'm torn with it. I agree. Like... Um, Crime Junkie, is, this is like one of the very first episodes they did, and they kind of went that route where it's like, did he do it? I know. You know? And I mean, there are things, like I'll get into obviously later in it, where 
which a lot of people do when they've they've narrowed it down to I think he might have done something. Mm-hmm. So they're obviously going to look at you in a different way. Mm-hmm. They're going to nitpick and overanalyze every single thing that you oh, do. For sure. And if it doesn't follow their narrative to how they think that you should be acting, automatically that means you did something. Right. And like everybody grieves differently, differently. and I, I get all of that, but I don't know. It just so much of it looks way bad Bad. what like and i will like i said i will get into it like later on in there just how bad he makes himself Mm -hmm. look even if he's innocent like Mm -hmm. homie you just made yourself look guilty as fuck by some of the shit that you did yeah um but there were emails that were time stamped um and a receipt from the marina that confirmed that he did do those things that day what he did while he was there Mm -hmm. we don't know um, he said when he left, Lacey was preparing to mop the floors and bake cookies and then had planned to take their golden retriever, Mackenzie, on a walk to a nearby park. At this point, Lacey was eight and a half months pregnant. So later on in the morning, neighbor uh, Karen Service said at, it was around 10.30 a.m., she found Mackenzie alone outside the Peterson home um, and re- just, like, opened the door and put him back in the backyard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where they live, but I think I would have thought that was weird. Um, another neighbor says he saw Mackenzie around 1045 while he was playing fetch with his own dog outside. So there's quite a few different people who say that they saw, but it's, it's always the same thing. It was just the dog without Lacey. Cause there was another where they say they saw the dog, like wandering the neighborhood with a muddy leash, like the leash was still attached to the dog, yeah. but either way, someone saw the dog and there was no Lacey. Yeah. That was my next question was, was there a leash, leash attached? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had his leash. Um, so, um, I lost my spot. Uh, Scott returned later that afternoon um, after taking his boat back to his warehouse. Um, and when he got home, the house was empty. Lacey wasn't there. Um, he said he just thought Lacey went to her mother's. Okay, but her car was there. Yeah. Granted, her mom could have picked her up, but I just, I don't know. That was weird. Yeah. Um. He said he took a shower and washed his clothes because he had said he got wet while he was fishing. I mean, I don't know that I would wash the clothes that I, like, immediately after I got home. No, I I definitely wouldn't. I mean, like, we camp a lot and we we come back dirty and smelly and, like, I still don't. I mean, I I throw them down to the basement. Yeah, but not, like, I'm washing right away. But I might not get to them that day. Sorry, Mom, if you're listening. (laughs) Um, but when Lacey hadn't returned by 5.15 p.m., he called her mother, and 30 minutes later, her stepfather, Ron, called the police. So, once the police arrived, they searched the house. They found her keys, wallet, and sunglasses inside of her purse in a closet. That seems weird to me, too. I don't know that I would put my purse in a closet, but, like, does that, would that seem... I mean, I don't carry a purse. But like, mine's on the, I, the counter in the kitchen or, like, the dining room table. Yeah, yeah, I get all of that. Or, like, hanging on a chair in the dining room. But not in a closet. But then again, like, uh, like I, I, I carry a fanny pack from time to time when I do have multiple things to carry. Mm-hmm. I don't have pockets, especially in the summer. And that closet right there next to my door, I have this, like, I wouldn't call it a hall closet. It's a closet in the living room that we keep coats in. Yeah. And there's, like, hooks in there. Did you hang your fanny pack on a hook? Yes. So, my, my fanny pack is... So, I, I can kind of understand if it's, like, a hall closet, like, right by your front door, and you're, like, walking in, and you're just, like, shove all your yeah, shit in there. Yeah, I guess that's, yeah. But... Um, and her 1996 Land Rover was still in the driveway. The table was already set, too, for dinner for Christmas Day. 
like that next day. Um, this was just weird. Uh, the police also said, say they also found a phone book open on the kitchen counter with a full page ad for a defense lawyer, like in the phone book on the counter. Hmm. Um, Scott was reportedly completely calm, like through this whole, whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Modesto police detectives, John Bueller and Alan Brocchini, I said that right. I was really worried about that when I did my research. Um, led the investigation and questioned Scott that evening. Um, Scott initially said that he spent the day golfing. Um, he later, though, changed his story and told police that he had gone fishing. There was a voicemail found on Lacey's phone uh, from Scott. It said, hey, beautiful, it's 2.15. I'm leaving Berkeley. Does it. Timestamp again. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, uh, that's what I think. Yes. Um, but... I'm still, like I said, there's still a gray area for me on other shit. Um, Detective Bueller told ABC News in 2017, I suspected Scott when I first met him. Didn't mean he did it, but I was a little bit thrown off by his calm, cool demeanor and his lack of questioning. He wasn't like, will you call me back? Can I have one of your cards? What are you guys doing now? Like, he never asked him any questions. And he always seemed super calm, like, that he didn't really cooperate with police. He refused to take a polygraph test. Mm -hmm. And then, like, continued throughout to refuse to take a polygraph test. Yeah, and, like, you know, just to play devil's advocate, I can kind of see, and maybe not, okay, I can kind of see not being super involved. Like, let's say he did it. And he's like, well, I need to not be super involved because, like, you hear about these cases all the time where, like, the perpetrator inserts themselves into it, into the investigation. Yeah. But in those cases, I feel like that's more of like either like a stranger attack. Yeah, or not your husband. But not your, your husband. Yeah. Your husband, you should play like the worried. But again, everybody if Scott Peterson did it and if he's, that makes him a legit sociopath, then maybe he just, you know, and sociopaths kind of mimic human behavior he probably got that wrong. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, oh, I should play it this way, but then, then he it should just have made it, it look worse. Yeah. Mm, where did I lose my spot? Uh, oh, okay. So um, on December 27th, which was three days after Lacey went missing, the police were still continuing, like, searching things. Mm -hmm. um, and they searched Scott's warehouse. While skirt, skirt, skirting. <laughs> um, they found a cement-like substance on a wooden bed of a boat trailer and five circular areas on the trailer that had less powder than the rest of the trailer. So, like, there was something sitting mm. in a circle from it being clean. Yeah. Um, um, there was also a dustpan surrounded by white powder and a sledgehammer. Um, so, that just seems weird to yes. me. Mm -hmm. Like... What were you doing? Um, they also, in like, along this time, they were searching outside, too. Like, there was extensive searches done along Dry Creek the day after she disappeared. They had helicopters that were equipped with searchlights, police on horseback, bicycles, canine units. They had water rescue units and, like, rafts. Like, 30 different officers were involved in searching for Lacey, along with her friends and family distributing flyers. Like, have you seen this person type stuff. Um... No one believed that she would, would leave without telling somebody. Like, yeah. that was so out of character for her. She would not leave without contacting her family, especially right. right before Christmas. Right. Like, that would be even less likely for anybody to do that. Yeah. But, so it just wasn't, wasn't making I don't sense. Know, I think, too, like, 
if I'm going to leave, like, I know that's, like, kind of a selfish thing to do, but, like, I'm going to think, too, like, well, I'll do it after the holidays. Yeah, no. Like, let me get my family through the holidays. And then... And then I'll do it. That's what I would have done. Yeah. I just feel like that's the way people would think, but I don't know. Um, There was a vigil organized uh, by her family for Lacey. Um, Scott just was acting weird all along. Like I said, all along these, these times, like, like I said, with the polygraph, um, at her vigil, he refused to talk. Like he didn't say anything at her vigil, which that's your wife. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a shock factor if you're, if he's innocent, you know what I mean? That, oh wow, this is really happening. My wife is really missing. And then after so long though, I feel like that would a shock factor would wear off and you'd be like, fuck, I got to find her. And you'd be out there wanting to put yourself out there and find your wife. Right. Um, and also all along, like I said, he was seeing Amber Mm -hmm. and he traveled for work. So it made it easy for him to see her. Mm -hmm. Um, he even went to like a Christmas party with her for her work. There's pictures of them sit like her sitting on his lap, like on her end. She just thought it was her boyfriend. Like, and I feel bad for her later on in it all too, because once it comes out, that's, like, a lot of people's main focus is, oh, he's having an affair. She's a mit- mistress. Like, she didn't know. She didn't know she was. She yeah. didn't know that. And, like, you, I've seen interviews with her and stuff, and you can, I mean, you can tell that, to me, that seems genuine. She really didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, do do I lost my spot. So, okay. So, he wouldn't speak at the vigil. He was photographed, um, like, bending down to put a candle with, like, next to where his niece was, like, at. And somebody said, well, he's smiling in the picture. I'll give him that because it's his niece. Like, you don't know what she said. Yeah. But there's also other pictures of him throughout the night just laughing and smiling, like, the whole time. Like, he's having a good old time. Mm-hmm. So, that's weird. Yeah. But the weirdest fucking part to me, and you'll find out more about this later, but um, he called Amber from her vigil and told Amber that he was ringing in the new year with his friends in Paris. That's that's really weird. Yeah. yeah. Don't like it. Don't like that at all. Um, Fry actually ended up coming to police herself to inform them of her relationship with Peterson mm-hmm. on December 3rd, 2002. Uh, it was shortly after she learned that he was actually a person of interest in Lacey's disappearance. Um, she told them on December 9th, two weeks before Lacey disappeared, Scott told her he was a widower and that this would be his first Christmas without his wife. That's fucked. See, like, the shit, it just doesn't. It ain't adding up, sir. Yeah. This is when she agreed to let them record her phone conversations with him. Mm -hmm. They have a total of like 29 to 30 hours of recorded phone calls. And I think one of the recorded phone calls was him at her vigil talking to her on the phone. Yeah, I think I've heard that one or read transcripts. You can, uh, yeah. They're on the documentary. I I don't remember what. I think it might be Netflix. Mm Mm-hmm. I think they have a lot of that on there mm-hmm. of the actual audio from the, some of those phone calls and just, and I think that he was starting to tell towards the end that maybe she suspected something and he's still trying to talk himself out of it even towards the end of it. And also, how did you not think she would hear about this? Yeah, it's like national news. Yeah, like you just don't think she watches the, like. Okay, that that's the part that blew me away. Yeah, too. like you didn't like, think she'd know. You don't watch an individual on TV and see your boyfriend. <laughs> like, and then how do you not? I mean, maybe know. that's another reason he didn't speak. Yeah, up on the the front of that's, everything. That's very like, true. That's that's a good, yeah. But I'm like, damn. Um, 
No one knew, besides police and Amber, that all of this was going on. Like, that she was recording the phone calls and that, like, she had went to the police. Um, but there came a point where the National National Enquirer had got a hold of a picture of Amber and Scott. And I think it was the picture from the Christmas party. Yeah. And they planned to publish it. Um, so, they held a press conference on January 24th where, and you can see in the video, she's, like, shaking and crying and, like, nervous as hell. Amber reveals who she is and that she was, you know what I mean, dating Scott. But she makes it a point to say, like I said, that she thought he was single. He did not know anything about Lacey, anything about a baby or plans. Like, he thought, she thought he was a widower because right. he eventually told her that. Um, and then another thing just to add in with, um, cause I didn't know where to put this in my notes, so it's kind of in the middle, but another fucking weird ass shit that happened. Um, he was interviewed on, in Good Morning America in 2003. Mm-hmm. Why would you, I, why is your lawyer letting you do that? Like, I feel like that's a bad idea. Yeah. It, Cause it, uh, yeah, I don't know. But, um, it was disastrous interview Mm -hmm. it was terrible um he lied multiple times um he said that he told police about his affair with amber the day that Lacey was reported missing yeah no it didn't and he'd actually told police their marriage was fine so you lying um he also said that Lacey knew about amber and was quote okay with it no no and i guess in one of the articles i read it said that nancy grace had a field day oh yeah i bet she when he said something about her being okay with it So, some more, uh, like, suspect behavior of someone who's claiming they're innocent. Um, he added two porn channels to their TV subscription, which, I mean, that's not that weird. But it was two days after she disappeared. Yeah, that's a little... The timing's weird. Yeah. Porn on your TV, that's fine. You do you. But, like... But two days after yeah. your wife is missing... Which they say was, like, a sign that she wasn't coming back. Yeah. Um, he, expe- he expressed interest in selling their house... Um, and he eventually even traded in Lacey's Land Rover for a Dodge truck. Um, like you had said earlier, this case drew in nationwide media mm-hmm. interest. Like, it was always plastered everywhere. There, they were reporters and everybody, like, outside of Scott's house. Mm-hmm. Anything, like I said, anything he did was scrutinized. Anywhere he went, any movie made, there was someone in his face following him. Yeah. So that would make me act weird. Yeah. I feel like. But all the other shit on top of this. Yeah. If that was the only time he acted weird... It wouldn't be as bad, but mm-hmm. this all this other shit just adds up to too much weird. Um, one of the searches uh, organized by family had over 900 volunteers. Um, the family actually was offering a reward for any information that may have led to Lacey's safe return. The reward started at $25,000, um, then it went to $250,000, and finally ended at $500,000. That's crazy. Um, they still were handing out flyers and posters and uh, blue and yellow ribbons, and that's when they actually started uh, the original basic website, um, LaceyPeterson.com, mm-hmm. that was launched by a husband of one of Lacey's friends. Um, the family and friends still, like I said, they were, they were searching probably night and day. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually sent up a command center, um, at a Red Lion hotel so they could go over anything or like meet up to talk about their plan for what they were going to do. They had over 1500 volunteers signed up to distribute info, um, to help search for her. Unfortunately, on April 13th, 2003, a couple walking their dog found the decomposing, I'm sorry, this is 
a lot. Yeah. Um, body of a late-term male fetus in a marshy area of the San Francisco Bay shore in Richmond's Point Isabel Regional Shoreline Park, which was just north of Berkeley, which was the marina that Scott said he was fishing at. Mm-hmm. Um, one mile north, like, yeah, from where Scott had been fishing. The umbilical cord and placenta were not found attached to the body. Um, and it said in a lot of things that the judge sealed the autopsy of yeah. of the baby, but supposedly, again, how do we know? Um, an anonymous source of the Associated Press said that um, one and a half loops of nylon tape were found around the neck um, of the baby, and a significant cut was found on his body. Um, one day later, a passerby found the body of a recently pregnant woman wearing beige pants and a maternity bra washed up on the eastern rocky shoreline of the bay, one mile from where the baby's body was found. The woman's body was badly decomposed, like almost to the point where you couldn't even recognize that it was a human. I know, it's awful. Um, this is really awful. Uh, she had been decapitated. Her limbs were missing, including like most of her legs. There was a piece of duct tape attached to her lower torso, and a cement bag was found floating in the water. Um, on April 13th, 18th, sorry, 2003, DNA, DNA evidence unfortunately confirmed that it was Connor and Lacey. Um, the autopsies were performed by forensic pathologist Dr. Brian Peterson. Weird. Yeah. No relation. And then there was another guy, I think the guy he bought the boat from, his last name was Peterson, too. Yeah. It's fucking weird. Yeah, it is. Like, why are all these people? Um... So, this was one thing about, about Connor's body, though. His skin was not decomposed. Like I said, Lacey's was really bad. Yeah. Um, except the right side of his body was, like, badly mutilated, but they say that that could have been from fish or yeah. something in the water. Um, although Lacey was missing very significant parts of her body, which they eventually ruled, they believed that uh, were removed before she was placed in the water. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they ever found the other parts. Yeah, I don't I don't think. Um her cervix was intact though. Um so that was one thing that was where I lost my place again. Uh, oh, the exact cause of death was never officially determined for either one of them. Um it did say that she had two cracked cracked ribs, but they couldn't determine if this was postmortem yes. or you know what I mean pre- yeah. before. Um, the pathologist believes that the baby was in the womb for many months after Lacey was placed in the water, which is why his skin wasn't as badly decomposed as Lacey because her uterus was protecting the baby. Right. Um, um, Scott Peterson was arrested on April 18th near a golf course. He claimed he was meeting his dad and his brother to play a round of golf, but more sus. They found his Mercedes overstuffed with miscellaneous items, including close to $15,000 in cash, 12 Viagra tablets, weird, Yeah, it is. survival gear, camping equipment, several changes of clothes, four cell phones, and two driver's licenses, his and his brother's. Also, they noticed that Scott's naturally dark brown hair had been dyed blonde, and he had grown a beard. Mm-hmm. Again, you're not you're not helping your case here, buddy. Yeah. Um, Scott's father, he explained it all. He said it made sense. Um, that he had his brother's driver's license from the previous day when he had used it to get a San Diego resident discount at the golf course. And that Scott had been living in his car because of all the immediate attention from the case. And him being followed around and 
all that. So that was his explanation for all that. Yeah, stuff. I don't know. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you just go stay with your parents? Why and would also, you live in your like, car? Right, but like, also like, why did you dye your hair? Because why? it didn't look good. It hell no, it did not. <laughs> it looks terrible. Nobody would do that by like by choice and be like, yeah. This yeah, was a good this decision. This is a great idea. This looks good. I look awesome. <laughs> um, police and prosecutors didn't buy that, though. They right. saw it as a plan to escape to Mexico. Yes. So, on April 21st, 2003, Scott was arraigned before Judge Nancy Ashley, charged with two counts of murder with premeditation and special circumstances. Scott pled not guilty. Of course he did. Yeah. Um, the trial actually had to be moved to San Mateo County because so many people had already made up their minds on Scott's guilt. Mm-hmm. Like, they already... Yeah, and he couldn't have a, a fair, fair trial. trial. So, his trial began on June 4th, 1st, 2004. I swear I'm okay. Um, with prosecutors arguing that he killed his wife. They don't, but they, they couldn't say when, mm-hmm. for sure. They couldn't say how or where. Yeah. Um, attached her body to the cement anchors he had made. Which he did tell, he had, he told them that he had a 90-pound bag of concrete he used to make the anchor for his boat. But he didn't say anything about five. He said one. Mm-hmm. Um, but that he had tied the anchors to her body and threw her, threw her over the side of the boat. Um, they did, like I said, they found one cement anchor on his boat, but not the other ones. And the line, the circle marks on the trailer, they thought were from five buckets from him making five anchors. Um, I don't know how to say this, so if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. But Robert O'Neill, a photographer, maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, but he, it says he examines concrete with a microscope, so he, like, knows shit about concrete, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, he said, chunks and powder found in Peterson's warehouse, pickup, truck bed, boat, boat cover, and a plastic pitcher matched the material in the single anchor found on the boat. They also matched a pea-sized pebble police found in his living room to that same cement um and they tested it because i guess his he paved his driveway recently or something and they it wasn't the same cement mm-hmm. from the driveway um the only piece besides the theory with the anchors the only other thing that they found was a hair on a pair of pliers that they found on scott's boat inside of his warehouse um, DNA comparison from hair they had taken from Lacey's hairbrush at the house confirmed that it, it was likely hers, but they couldn't get as accurate of a, a result on it because it didn't have a root. Mm. So that kind of, but they, they were able to say that it didn't, cause Scott had dark hair too, but they were able to say that it did not come from him. Mm-hmm. So, um, on his home computer, it had showed that he had searched like boat regulations and water currents for the San Francisco Bay. Which, like I said, if all that other shit wouldn't have happened, that wouldn't be that weird. Yeah. But now it's it's weird. Um, the defense argued that there was no proof that Scott had made more than one anchor, which there really wasn't. You can say you think that's a circle from a bucket, but you don't know. You don't know that. Yeah. Um, and that it was ridiculous. And his sister in law had said the same thing. His her family was on his side. Oh yeah. Until they found out about Amber, mm-hmm. and then they switched. But she had said at the beginning of it all, like, it's ridiculous to think that he would dispose of his wife's body in the middle of the day. Yeah. Have you watched Dexter? No, I'm just kidding. Mm. <laughs> but, I mean, nothing's impossible. Yeah, right. And I, I mean, I didn't go too super in-depth into certain things, 
But I know that they there was like a test they did on his boat because they said that that his boat couldn't sustain carrying a body, and that trying to flip it out of the boat he would have flipped the boat over, mm-hmm. and they did all these different tests. But again, like that's it's not up to them to decide; it's up to the jury. And mm-hmm. they, I mean, eventually they did, but yeah, that's they found him guilty. Um. So on November twelfth, two thousand four. Scott Peterson was found guilty and convicted of first-degree murder for his wife's death and second-degree murder for Connor's death. Um, Judge Alfred A. DeLucci sentenced Scott to death, calling Lacey's murder, quote, cruel, uncaring, heartless, and callous. In March of 2019, California Governor Gavin Newsom issued a moratorium on 737 prisoners on death row in California, including Peterson. Um, The order essentially postponed all executions for the... I cannot. The duration of Newsom's tenure as governor. So, for as long as he was. The order uh, spared at least 25 prisoners that were on death row who had exhausted all of their appeals. Mm-hmm. Um, the Petersons, though, do not believe that, did not believe that it would affect Scott's case because they, they don't think that he would exhaust um, all of his legal appeals by January 2027 which is when Newsom would be leaving office, assuming he was is reelected in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like, your last story with Matthew Shepard, like, it was really sad, but some good came out of it. There was some good that came out of their death, too. Um, She's good. Um, lost my spot again. Uh, the death of Lacey and Connor led to the passage of the Unborn Victims of Violence Act, also known as Lacey and Connor's Law, on April 1st, 2004. The law provides that under the federal law, any person who causes death or injury to an unborn child while in the commission of a crime upon a pregnant woman will be charged with a separate offense. Um, in 2006, Lacey's mother wrote, For Lacey, a mother's story of love, loss, and justice. All proceeds from the book sales go to the Lacey and Connor search and rescue fund that she founded. Um... On uh, January 29, 2006, her book was actually listed at number one on the New York Times nonfiction bestsellers list, which I thought that was super yeah. cool. Um, now, this is shitty shit shit. August 24th, 2020, so not that long ago. Yeah. Um, in a 7-0 and decision, the Supreme Court of California upheld Peterson's conviction but overturned his death sentence. That sucks. Because Peterson's trial judge had dismissed jurors who opposed capital punishment without asking them first if they could put their views aside for Scott's trial. Yeah, that's, that's a no-no. You can't do that. Um, Scott Peterson is currently housed at San Quentin State Prison. Mm. So. I'm still on team he killed her. I, yeah. I do admit that there's some stuff there, that is, like, unfortunate and, like. Now, like, now that I reread my shit again, I think I'm back to he, team he did it. Yeah. Because... There's just too much weird shit. With this, if it was single weird shit, mm-hmm. maybe. But yeah. all of that stuff all together is just too much. Yeah. So, I think he's a dirtbag. I do too. Okay, so since we had picked the f- same paranormal, <laughs> um, I just went to Creepy Pasta and found a creepy one. She's gonna fuck me up. So, okay. This creepy pasta is called. I hate it already. Is <laughs> called Eyeless Jack. What? Yes. Yep. Hate it. Yeah, and the picture is really creepy. 
And I will post it to the Facebook page. Awesome. Love so that. that all of you can be tormented by it too because it's scary. Okay, so the first paragraph starts. You wake alone in your room, disturbed by some noise close to your bed. At first, when you open your eyes, all you see is darkness and black. You stare straight up and listen, straining your ears to pick up the faintest and smallest of sounds, the sounds on the edge of hearing, the sounds of noise being withheld, of something deliberately trying to be silent, to stalk and to hunt. Your eyes begin to adjust. You still only see darkness, but now, with terror, you begin to realize it's not the darkness of the room, but the dark, empty void staring out from the hollow eye sockets of the thing leaning over your bed. No. Okay, so that was just the first paragraph. So, it has, like, a couple little sections here. This is the overview. Uh, it says, and I'm reading straight from the Creepypasta website. It says, one of the most notorious mainstream Creepypasta villains, Eilish Jack, is a humanoid entity who removes the organs of his victims and eats them. The character's moniker comes from the fact that he appears in a hoodie wearing a blue mask open at the eye sockets, which, though they are leaking a black fluid, they're entirely empty. Ew, no. In later fan-made variants on the original story, Eyeless Jack is commonly found standing at the foot of the bed or leaning over his sleeping victim. I hate this so much. (laughs) So, in most depictions, Eyeless Jack wears a blue mask and a hoodie. There are two cavernous black holes where his eyes should be, while the rest of his facial features are either missing entirely or only suggested in shape. The most common image associated with the character is a photograph taken from below as if looking up at a blank face figured with only two gaping holes where his eyes should be, which is the haunting figure on this page, and it is scary. Uh, I don't like it. Um... More about the picture. It's kind of boring. Blah, blah, blah. Um, okay. So here is like the actual creepypasta story. So I'm just going to read it. Hello, my name is Mitch. I'm here to tell you guys about an experience I had. I don't know if it was paranormal or whatever stupid words people use to describe supernatural phenomenon. But after that thing visited me, I believe in the paranormal trash now. A week after I moved in with my brother Edwin, after my house was foreclosed, I finished unpacking. Edwin liked the idea of me moving in since we had not seen each other for 10 years, so I was excited too. I soon fell asleep after I moved in. After that first week, I heard rustling noises coming from outside at about 1 in the morning. I thought it was a raccoon, so I ignored it and tried to fall asleep. The next morning, I told Edwin about it, and he agreed. The next night, however, I thought I heard my window opening and a loud thump as if something entered my room. I darted up and looked around my room, but I saw nothing. The next morning, Edwin dropped his coffee cup when he saw me. He held up a nearby mirror and I saw myself. I had a large gash on my left cheek. No. After I was rushed to the hospital, my doctor told me I must have been sleepwalking, but then showed me something that made my blood turn cold. He lifted up my shirt to reveal a sewn-up incision where my kidneys what were. What the fuck? I stared oh, thank into, you. <laughs> I stared into his eyes, mind widening, and said, "You somehow lost." And he said, "You somehow lost your left kidney last night." My doctor told me. We don't know how, though. Sorry, Mitch. 
The next night was my breaking <laughs> Super point. cash. Yes, yeah, sorry. Oregon. sorry. I don't know how that happened, but like, bummer, dude. <laughs> sorry for your kidney. <laughs> the next night was my breaking point. Around midnight, I woke up to see a truly horrifying sight. I was staring face to face with a creature with a black hoodie and a dark blue mask with no nose or mouth staring down at me. The thing that scared me the most, though, was that it had no eyes, just empty blank sockets. The creature also had some black substance dripping from its sockets. I grabbed a camera from a nearby mantle and took a picture. Immediately after taking the shot, the creature lunged at me and tried to claw open my chest to get to my lungs. I stopped it by kicking it in the face. As I ran out of my room, I grabbed my wallet. I would need the money. I ran out of my brother's house into the night. I eventually ended up on the woods near Edwin's house and tripped on a rock. I fell unconscious and woke up in the hospital. My doctor, the same one who treated me before, entered the room. What's he missing now? I don't know. I have good news and bad news, Mitch, my doctor started. The good news is is that you had minor injuries and your parents are going to pick you up. I sighed with relief. The bad news is that your brother has been killed by some thing. Sorry. (gasps) My parents took me back to Edwin's house to collect my remaining belongings, which I did. Upon entering my room, I was scared, but I remained calm. I grabbed my camera and then stopped dead in my tracks. In the hallway leading to my room, I saw Edwin's body and something small laying next to it. I retrieved it up and entered my parents' car, not mentioning Edwin's corpse. I looked at the thing I had picked up and nearly vomited. I was holding my stolen, (gasps) half-eaten kidney with some black substance on it. (sighs) And that's it. I don't like it. No, it's scary. <laughs> I don't like it at all. <laughs> I hate it so much. Yeah, so that's... Fuck that no-eyed thing. <laughs> yeah, I hate that. I don't like it at all. Oh, Tiffany's texting me. Yes, I am. Oh, also, my my Lacey Peterson was a suggestion. From this oh. awesome-ass dude. Coached my team at Jingle Brawl. Yeah. Josh. Oh, cool. He suggested cool. it to me. I have more. But I'm holding them to myself. Okay. So. One of them, he said, is, like, a lot. So yeah. it's, like, a multi-parter, I okay. think. Okay. So. Cool. But I really want to We still need to it. do West Memphis. Oh, we do. That's And actually, be... that's what spurred the whole... That's so weird that you just said that. Yeah? Because that's what spurred the conversation about his suggestions. Because he got a sh- this badass shirt, I think, as an early Father's Day gift mm-hmm. from his girlfriend. And it was the West Memphis Three, like, mug shots oh, on it. And he posted it on Facebook, and I commented, and I was like, oh, my God, I love that. Blah, yeah. blah. And, like, told him about the podcast. He's like, I know. I've listened to, like, every episode. Oh, I know. And I was so like, that's sweet. so fantastic. And he was like, I have some suggestions for you. I'll send them to you when I get a chance. And he sent me a long message with a bunch of shit in it. So, oh, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank so you thanks, for the Josh. suggestions. Yes. So, yeah. All I almost right. forgot to say that. Well, that was a good, that was a better episode. It was. We did. Lacey Peterson's a good one. And then that, that creepy pasta. I kind of wish it was first. <laughs> yeah, now you have to drive home. And then I gotta go. Oh, wait. I don't want to say that out loud. <laughs> I'm not putting that out in the atmosphere. I'm gonna go home to a house full of people. All <laughs> <laughs> the people. Okay. Uh, all right. So subscribe to our Patreon. Leave us five star reviews. And tell your friends, tell your wife. Hide your kids, hide your your wife. Tell your kids, tell your wife. Tell your kids, tell your (laughs) wife. Tell everybody. (laughs) And I'll keep liking the Facebook page. And keep calm. And spook on. Bye. Bye.